right, I have to start talking now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Six Feet Under. We have a bonus feat uh, for you today. Uh, my name is Grant. I will not be your GM. Uh, that will be a guest that I introduce shortly. But for the rest of the usual group, we have uh, Riley. Yeah. And Vel. Hello. And Yao. Hello. And before we continue, I should ask our wonderful guests, that's right, plural, please introduce yourselves as you would like to be introduced. Hi, I'm James Barton, and uh, I'll be your GM for this evening. Or morning. <laughs> Whenever. It's all the same. Uh, hi, I'm Magnus. Uh, I'll be another player for this uh, afternoon. And thank you both for, for joining us. Uh, our guests are both members of the Far Horizons Co-op, uh, uh, recently renamed from the San Gennaro Co-op, if you're familiar with their previous uh, uh, short game digests. And they are designers of one of the games in uh, the latest uh, edition of that uh, quarterly publication. What is it called and, and what have you brought for us today? So the game is called The Celestial Crescent. It's a game that if you're familiar with things such as Spelljammer, where it is a game that is in space, but it isn't scientific space. It's a more magical uh, setup, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It is treasure planet, but Sumerian. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, you got it. It is a Sumerian river pirates, but in space on reed boats with magic. Got a space Babylon. And, and with an elevator pitch like that, we, we couldn't not play it, really. <laughs> Uh, so we, we have put together our, our characters, very quick, breezy character creation in this. I will be playing Wardom. He is an Akkadian warrior. And for him, I took the space explorer origin. Basically, uh, years ago, in what feels like a, a separate life uh, uh, lived by a separate man, he decided to, to travel the stars. And the experience ha has changed him. Uh, uh, hardened him. He is forged by the void and has returned to uh, the pirate life because it's the sort of life that doesn't ask a lot of questions or make a lot of judgments. <laughs> the look I gave him was uh, uh, lean like a jackal and burnished by winds, and he's very good at fighting very good. <laughs> nice. I am playing as Hanazu. She is a Babylonian astrologer, and I also chose the space explorer background, but with a different idea for how she got out there. So the astrologer playbook is all about reading the stars and sort of predicting the future from them. Um, I get, like, future sight magic. So I figured I'd work that into the backstory. Uh, I think she was exiled from Babylon for various crimes and thrown on a random island off the main currents where she was supposed to live the rest of her days forever. But knowing the future, she she saw that, oh, sometime soon, some pirates will be stopping here to hide, and that was you guys. So now I'm a pirate, too. <laughs> Alright, I will be playing uh, Puwabi. She is actually a nomad on the run from her royalty heritage, and she's disguised herself as a golem, and she has nicknamed herself Lilac. Oh, I should also mention I have taken well-trimmed hair full of silver and lapis and clothes of dark asia, and my skills mm -hmm. are plus two outwit. Plus one conceal and plus one study. I took the move. No kings. So you're some sort of nerd. Hmm. <laughs> Rude, but true. <laughs> I made Eristu, who is an Urian priest who used to be a brewer, and technically still is. It's just, it's very difficult to brew things while you are on a boat. She wears simple red robes and has shining eyes. I took plus two to exhort, 
plus one study, plus one deal. And what this translates to is um, she's very good at talking to people and at reading situations and reading in general. And for the ability, this is an unusual one because she doesn't have an ability that's just, oh, you can do a thing. She actually has an item. It is uh, called Utu's Scales. It's one of the May. These allow you to weigh the truth of things and the rightness of their cause. So if anyone speaks a lie or half-truth in their presence, the scales will become unbalanced. And it'll even do this if the messenger who brings you a written word thinks that what they're reading is true, but the person who wrote it knows it's false. And she is here because... She's used to making all kinds of interesting libations and such, beer and wine, and mixing different flavors into it. But unless you go out and explore, you can't find the more interesting ones. So she wants to find out what other people make. And to do that, you have to travel the hyperlanes in order to get really far out. And it just so happened there was this pirate crew that needed the skills of someone who knows the value of things and knows how to talk to people and be somewhat respectable. That's why she's here. Remains to be seen how wise a decision this was. <laughs> yes, uh, I made Kindatu, an Elamite sorcerer. Uh, Kindatu was a criminal before he was a sorcerer. And since, um, you know, robbery, assault, theft, pity theory would all get him killed anyway, why not also practice dark magic? <laughs> uh, he's from Elam. Uh, of course, he's an Elamite sorcerer, and he got uh, uh, got in hot water when he uh, when he summoned up a ghost that the king's nephew really didn't want him to summon up. Um, so now he's fled and become a pirate, which is basically the stuff he was already doing, <laughs> but with company now. But with company. All right, fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, before we start, why don't you give us a, a top level look at the the sort of mechanics we're going to be playing with. T tell us a little bit about the game bef before we dive right in. The basic system that we're going to be working with, uh, and we'll get to more when we get to combat, is when you attempt to do an action, you're going to roll 7d10s as your base number of rolls. If you have a bonus in that skill, in that action, that's additional dice. So, for example, if you want to tear open a wall or breach the hull of a ship, that would be the action Rend the Earth. I believe our fine Acadian warrior has a plus two to Rend the Earth. Yes? Yeah. So you would roll nine dice. Once you roll, what you're looking for is sets of dice. Sets of dice. You know, a pair of twos, a set of threes, something like this. As long as you have two of them, and you have two that are higher than the difficulty, you succeed. So to go back to tearing open a ship, we'll say that's a difficulty four. You have two fives in your roll, you succeed. But that's not enough. You can't just succeed. Uh, we're space pirates. We have to do things with style. <laughs> and so if you have extra of the dice, you have three fives instead of two, you can do what's called a flourish. You know, you tear open the ship and make sure that several, uh, that none of the cargo in the ship falls out, or that it falls out onto your ship. You not only get your deal when you're bartering, you convince the merchant to throw in a free sample, or he likes you and will give you good deals later. You persuade people not only to do the action, but to go through it with enthusiasm, and it gets done quicker. These are for sort of one-off immediate actions. There are, however, more long-term actions that require these clocks, which are, as you know, sort of Forged in the Dark style clocks. 
These work similar to clocks in other games. You make a series of rolls, like you'd make normal rolls. If you get a success, you mark part of the clock as complete. If you get a failure, you mark two parts as a problem. Uh, here, however, you can use a flourish to mark an extra part. Let's say uh, you are a deal. You're trying to form a, uh, a union in your city of all the craftsmen. So you're making a bunch of social talking rolls. Mm -hmm. And the difficulty is, we'll say, three. If you got five fours on your roll, you did very well, you would not just mark one spot, you would mark, I believe, five? Yes, five spots. And so you get the task done much more quickly. Combat runs on a very similar system, but we'll discuss how combat works when the inevitable bloodshed begins. Um, <laughs> yeah, your, your combat system is something that doesn't look like any game I'm familiar with, at least. I, I'm sure it has influences, everything does, but this is new to me. Uh, Magnus assures me there is a game that does this. I, I will give credit to Magnus for this being his, his brainchild. <laughs> we'll discuss that more when you are pirates who do the piracy. Pirates, though. Uh, as you have Gods and Monsters of the Hyperlanes, when you are engaged in one of these clocks or doing another challenge on the Hyperlanes, because you know the rituals to appease the strange gods and monsters that lurk in those stellar waterways, you can convert one of your failures to a success. You won't get any flourish from it, but you will get something. Uh, otherwise, I think that's most of the rules here. The playbooks give a bonus and some unique traits. Uh, most of the traits, obviously, I, I don't want to go through and read all of them, but if I remember right, our Akkadian warrior has blood does not lie. Yes. Like, like you said, Wardom took the blood does not lie skill. That basically gives him a story trope from uh, a, a lot of warrior fiction, including like wuxia and shonen stories. Uh, I gain insight into a warrior's motivations and what drives them by fighting them. Mm. It's very fun. <laughs> Speak with your swords and all that. Yes. Hanazu took Anu stands apart which is I can like see flashes of the future in advance. So at the start of each session, I roll a study check, which I've already done, and I just hold on to those dice. And at any point later, I can replace dice in a roll, one for one, with some from this pool. <laughs> That's a pretty good pool to do that with. It's a very good pool to do with. You've, you've got a set of tens just sitting there. No, well, that's, that's going to be very useful. Mm-hmm. So I'll be able to just kind of do better because I saw it coming. Astrologers. Goodness. Mapuabe has taken the fun option, no kings. While none would call you graceful in court, there is refuge in audacity. So once per venture, I can ignore or just flout customs in any city without fear of consequence. You, you can go where you want because who's going to stop you? Once per venture, I get to be a little shit and nobody can stop me. <laughs> Laws are fake. Yes, I chose uh, cons Consult the Dead, which let me dig a hole and put a skull on it, and then I can talk to dead spirits. Um, and what else do you need at that point? That's <laughs> You've always got a friend at hand. Right. Uh, <laughs> as long as you're one of those guys who carries a skull with him at all times. You know, Horatio. Uh, wait, wrong genre. Hold on, hold on. Uh, so I, I guess with all of that taken care of, please set the scene. How does our adventure begin? For many years, kingship resided in Babylon. But the gods have now turned away from that planet, and kingship has been lost to wild space. Temples have fallen to ruin, chaos grips the venerable celestial crescent. 
It is a time of petty kings and would-be emperors, of diplomats and merchants and sellswords. Reed boats blessed by the gods travel like lightning, with news and goods and bronze. In wild spaces, demons gather and nomads travel, and pirates make again their ports of call. And it's on one such port of call we enter, on the world of Elam, where demon and god are both welcome, in the tavern of Endwana. We find here drink and bread and song and our crew for the evening. What are you doing at this tavern, back from your first, from a successful venture? Uh, I'm keeping a low profile. I'm known here. Uh, I don't want to be noticed. So that's what I'm doing. I think Hanazu is ordering herself some drinks and having a rousing time because this is her first time on land since being banished from Babylon months ago. I think Aristu is joining you, is already three drinks in, ordering a fourth, and keeps trying to ask you for a sip of whatever it is that you have because you keep ordering different things. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Every drink a different one. I'm pretty sure Hanazu is, like, very picky about this kind of thing. So, like, I'm ordering a new drink that I have never heard of before, taking a sip and then just passing it a Risu. So she's getting very drunk, and I'm very much not. <laughs> Wardham is just eating snacks. He's here for the snacks. He's having dates and, and bread. Yes. Uh, probably it's standing by the other two. She's in the, well, I like armor golem thing. Uh, she's actually sticking her hand out at times to steal drinks. I don't know if she's old enough to drink, but she is anyway. The drinking age is when you can walk, if I um, remember history well. <laughs> yeah. As your festivities are occurring, with most of you sort of at the bar, uh, our Elamite sorcerer lurking in the background, uh, you are approached by your contact in Elam, uh, Edwana. Edwana is a retired pirate, and she shows it. Uh, not only is she built like someone who made a living stealing and fighting people, but her right eye has been replaced having lost it in battle with a orb, a, a golden orb with a painted-on iris that does move like a normal eye would. And seeing uh, that you all are racking up quite the tab in uh, in drinking, she, she approaches you with a proposal. Are any of you, for lack of a better word, the captain of your boat? Do we have a captain? <laughs> I don't think we do. I nominate Wardum. <laughs> Wardum is the, the only one, I believe, not getting drunk at the moment. Or hiding. Edwana approaches and looks around and says, So, if this is how you are after that one, well, I think I have the perfect next lead for you guys. Where? Well, not far from here, although you're going to have to go fast. They just left. But there's this big treasure ship heading out on the Abzu soon. And she sort of gestures to sh- the, uh, how big this ship is uh, with her hands. Wardum's eyebrows uh, uh, raise about as high as they can go. He is ready for some big treasure. They're heading out with all sorts of stuff. Gold, lapis, I even hear they've got some tablets and some maps and all sorts of things. Normally, there'd be a lot of competition, but rumor has it they've got a bit of a... Uh, Elamite deterrence on on board. And not everyone's willing to go up for, with a sorcerer for some treasure. You guys, though, as uh, she sort of gestures, I think you'd have a good shot. And for a little bit, you know, a finder's fee. I can point you in the right way. 
Hanazu is going to take a very glittery drink she ordered that Aristu hasn't touched yet mm-hmm. and just kind of pour it into her plate of food, <laughs> swirl it around a little, and I'm going to read the stars to see how, how good of a deal this is. Uh, let's make that a study check. Let's make that a study check. All if right. you want to uh, negotiate down, it will be a uh, deal, I believe. Let me check. Yeah, I'm just looking to see if, how good of an idea this is. Like, if our payout's going to be good, if the danger's going to be bad. Just get a get a read on the mission. Yeah, I'd make it a study check. We'll say difficulty four. Okay, well, I got three fives, so I'll take three fives. Okay. This is definitely the, the reflected stars in your uh, in your drink, and maybe the stars that are in the lapis itself portend that... This is a risky endeavor, but probably worth it. Okay. A sorcerer is not something to be trifled with, but you have a sorcerer and a priest. And also me, who's the little bit magic too. A little bit magic yourself. So not risk-free, but probably worth it. Do you want to use that extra five to do anything special or spectacular? I wanted to ask about how flourishes work. Since I got three fives, that means I have two flourishes if I... You have one. One flourish. Okay. It's everyone past the um, the second die. For my flourish, I want to know if they have a may. A may? Uh, no, this vessel does not have the sort of signs of a may on it right now. Okay. They might be looking for one. Uh, and Wana mentioned that they are heading away from most of the hyperlanes. So they are going into wild space. Okay. Uh, Hanazu, after a moment of pondering, looks up toward him and says, The stars are looking great. This will be a risky endeavor. No risk we cannot handle. But Wardham, like, listens to, to the expert and is is happy to accept this job. Unless Aristu wants to uh, do any negotiation on the, the finder's fee that was mentioned. Yes, when you mention this fee, what kind of fee are we talking about here? Oh, just, you know, a reasonable, let's say, 30%? I think I am going to try to adjust that. Yeah, that's a lot. 30% is a fair chunk. This is probably going to be a fair bit of haggling. It would would likely be that this is aiming to try to bring it down to something more on the reasonable front, but the target is 20. Make me a deal roll. I have a plus on that, so that's eight dice. Eight dice, and and Dwana is familiar with negotiating. This is difficulty four. Difficulty four. So, that's an interesting roll that just happened. Oh? Three, three. There's a two in there, but we actually have a pair of eights in here. Hey. There's no flourish on it. Two eights is still two eights. Two eights is enough. We have a fair bit of negotiation. Um, I would imagine it takes a couple of sec- seconds to uh, fully roll it out, but... Uh, Arista's just keeping an even pace and making sure to keep going and probably kind of surprises Eduana with remaining quite, like, on balance despite how much she's put down. You manage to impress the, the, ta- the widowed innkeeper. You hold your own. You get down to a, a 20% cut of the treasure will go to Eduana uh, from the ship. From the ship. Sounds fair enough. Or she said time was of the essence, so let's be on our way. Yeah, let's just... Uh... Wabe has already taken off. Yeah, and we're gonna have to carry Aristu out a little bit. No, no, I can handle myself, just... She's still staggering around. Oh, okay, I would... I could use an arm. Uh, can, can <laughs> I have two. <laughs> Excellent. I'll follow you out. Powerful. Okay. 
We're now going to move to a challenge to track this vessel. How are you going about catching up with this ship? So for tracking this vessel, we're going to say this is a um, six-part clock. This is a six-part clock. Mm-hmm. This challenge is going to be a difficulty three challenge with Endwana sort of pointing you in that direction. Okay. Uh, anyone can offer to roll for this. Let me check our actions very briefly. Outwit is the most likely, I think, to be of obvious use. But if you can explain how you're using your prayers or your study or something similar to follow them. But Outwit is the, the most obvious one to me. I do have a plus two at Outwit. Are you our helmsman? Yes. I think that would work. Just keeping an eye out, making sure we don't get too close and get spotted by our mark. I got four sixes. Oh. Four sixes. Okay, very good. So that means you will fill up half the clock immediately. Six, for success, you fill up one. And then, yes, because there's two flourishes, a second, and a third. So there's still three parts of the clock. Probably heard right away, so that's why we got a head start in order to get that. Just already prepping the ship. The head start did help, yes. The flourishes still do things other than advance the clock? Like, can Riley narrate stuff? Oh, yeah. Sorry, yes. Riley can narrate stuff as well. My mistake. Yeah, that was was basically what I was going for, was the whole... She already was on the ship the moment she heard, hey, there's treasure this way. She did not stick around (laughs) to hear negotiations. She was already on that. Fine sailing, my friend. The moment the last person stepped on, we were already setting off. These golems are so focused in their pursuits. Drifting across the waterways. Uh, Tokyo drifting, not not the pleasant drifting. (laughs) I think um, Kindato, of course, is going to study. He'll stay on the, the, f- the front of the ship, and he'll, like, s- study the uh, the Apsu, the, w- the space waterways, see if there are any, like, uh, ripples or traces, or if any of the asteroids they fly past show sign of having been, like, put anchor at, or stuff like that. Okay. Give me a study roll, then. I'll keep the difficulty at three. Yeah, that makes sense. Three. Excellent. Um, I definitely do that. Uh, I have two eights, two sixes, and two threes. So that's three different sets. Uh, how does that affect challenges? Uh, so in challenges, extra sets don't do anything. Yeah, you just pick one. It's all about the flourishes. It's all about the flourishes. Uh, when we get to combat, there are some times where extra sets are useful. But in challenges, it's just picking one. Uh, so which one? Uh, just the eight. You do find uh, you are able to now pivot their path on the Apsu, spotting the scrape marks of where they lowered an anchor on a nearby a nearby asteroid forest and beginning your navigation in deeper after them we have two more slots on the clock can can i retcon my my skills i noticed nobody has lead and if we're calling wardoom a captain. sort of de facto captain can i uh change that one in exhort to one in lead before sure <laughs> okay thank you that's very kind of you i'm going to roll lead okay <laughs> how are you leading Wardoom has, if not the most experience on ships, close to it in, in this group. So now that we're on their their trail, it is time to to start getting the, the group to, you know, multitask, work together a, a, in order to make up as much uh, uh, time as possible on this fast ship that has a head start. I think that's a lead role. It is, uh, yeah. Basically coordinating everybody to, to uh, make the, the ship's crew run as, as smoothly as possible so the ship itself runs as swiftly as possible. Okay. 
what's my difficulty on this? Uh, I'm, I'm leaving as three. The clock's difficulty is a, a flat three. I got a pair of sevens. No flourishes, but it is a success. It is a success. All right. With your guidance, you avoid the dangers of the, ast- the asteroid forest, and you are now within spitting distance of the ship on the horizon. Can someone give me one final roll to see if we can grab it before it slips away? I think I'd like to put a curse on the boat now that we can see it to slow it down. Yeah. yeah. All right. I will chance to anew to slow our enemies and allow us to catch up. All right. Roll me curse. My roll is one six eight eight nine nine ten ten. Ah, uh, your curse does work. So I think I'm going to replace that one with an eight from a new stance apart. So I have three eights. Three eights. Okay. There we go. Describe how this curse appears in this stellar wilderness. Um, I think their sails rot away. So before the eyes of all who see them, the sails begin to tear and decay rapidly on the stellar winds. And the flourish is, um, I think just that that happens so dramatically. It, it takes not minutes, not, not hours, not minutes, but moments for their entire mast to be barren. And now you have caught up with this large vessel. That wasn't a quiet way to approach. <laughs> no, it was not. But now they're sitting ducks. So how are you going to approach capturing this vessel? I presume with violence. I assume yes, everyone uh, woke uh, up yeah. today and chose I, violence. I was about to say with violence. Um. <laughs> I, th- I think uh, what Vardoom's move is to uh, ask Lilac to, to get the bow as close as possible and then just reach out and grab their ship with both hands. Okay. I mean, we don't necessarily need to capture them. Dead men do, in fact, tell tales. To the right person, I suppose. (laughs) But uh, uh, I think Wardoom is going to roll Rend the Earth in order to act as, like, an an anchor, as a a, a bridge to to breach their ship. Okay, give me Rend the Earth. And the difficulty on this? Uh, I'm going to say the difficulty on this is five. Are you trying to just hold the boat or break the boat? I mean, let, let's say I'm trying to hold the boat. I res- if I get any flourishes, I reserve the right to use them to, to start breaking the boat. Okay. We'll say, I'll say a four to hold the boat. I got two eights. Uh, I also got two nines. Let's go a pair of nines. I believe this succeeds. It, it, it does, yes. So you've held the boat fast and planted your ship perpendicular with theirs. And now we will engage in violence. Combat in the Celestial Crescent has a few steps. First, everyone, including our NPCs, is going to roll initiative. Then I'm going to ask you to tell me, on this first turn, what zone you're in. Are people familiar with zones, as in, I believe, Fate uses them most often? I am familiar with the concept, yes. Um, Basically, instead of a fancy grid, we just mark out various areas, and then we can move between them. Then everyone in an area can access everyone else in the same area. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I am going to collapse your ship into two zones, partly because I don't expect much fighting to be on on your ship. For initiative, unless you have a skill that says otherwise, you roll exhort. It's like every other roll. If you have a pair, that is your initiative. Yeah, I think it's actually boast. Yes. Yes. Oh, boast. Sorry. (laughs) Set my mind. If it were Exhort, that would be very good for me, but very bad for Mag- for uh, Wardoom. 
Yeah. Probably yes. for Magnus as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, on my boast roll, I got a pair of eights. So that that is that is my high, unless uh, this is one where shifts count more, because I got three twos. But I think the pair of eights is going to do me better. Is the pair correct? of eights will do you better, yeah. Yes. I got a pair of nines. A pair of nines for uh, Lilac? I got three nines for Dragon. Pair of eights. I got three fives after spending the five for my newsstands apart. Okay, you can use flourishes here, and I'll discuss how in a moment. Yep, I was looking that up while everyone was talking. So, to briefly explain, when you roll initiative, you can use your flourish to move your initiative up one, down one, I believe to increase your defense for the turn. Yes, those are the things. Um, I want to use it to make the sorcerer take his turn later. We should probably uh, explain how initiative works. If you didn't. Yes. Magnus, can you explain that while I'm... Uh, now that we've all rolled, um, basically, uh, initiative flips. Whoever got the highest initiative is assigned initiative one and goes first. Whoever got the next highest is assigned initiative two, goes second, so on and so forth. And those are the numbers you can we can uh, manipulate with our flourishes. And then each round, everyone loses one initiative, and whoever is at initiative one is then last. Um, so initiative is constantly cycling. Uh, we all declare simultaneously. Uh, at the start of each round, we all declare what we're doing, and then it resolves in initiative order. Including ties, right? There are no ties. Once we get established, everyone's at the same. Yes, there are no ties. Uh, okay. Everyone has a single. So in the case that you're currently in where you have three nines and two nines... The three nines goes first. Yes, three nines win. Uh, I'm going to uh, spend a... Uh, spend a uh, it flourish to uh, decrease my initiative by one. So fuck you, Tiska. We're ensuring our sorcerer goes first. I'm also going to use my flourish to make Tiskar go later, so that Riley can also go before them. Ah. Uh, actually, no. I think I'll slow down Maeza instead, because I don't want both the powerful people taking their turns back to back. Sorry to make that confusing. It no, would be it's fine. yes, it's like that. Few mouse, few clicks. Because then two of our powerful people can take their turns back to back. So, the way the sheets work, um, this might be a little hard for our listeners who don't have a visual aid, uh, but each playbook has its own combat sheet. Every turn, you will be making a move on the sheet. You start by placing yourself in one of the underlined spots. Some of you only have one option, some of you have two or three. Um, You can then, on the subsequent turns, uh, move the same way a rook would move, or along any arrows. Um, so our fine astrologer... Yeah, I have like ten options for my second move. But only one for my first move. You have four for your first move. No, I can only start with Trace the Zodiac. Right, sorry. You, you start Trace the Zodiac, but then you may move to the farmer, the goatfish, the scales, or the crayfish. Can't I also move up to Shala, right to Scorpion, down to Ishtar, and left to Bull, no, or the... Shepherd? No, no, no. These spaces are breaks. These spaces are breaks. Blank spaces are break spaces. You cannot jump over those. Oh. Anyway, to explain that slightly better for listeners who can't see the sheet, the the thing is that we have stances. There are rules by which we can choose which stance we do next. So we are limited in which actions we can take, but we have a big sheet full of options. Yes. Thank you very much, Adele. Uh, And I apologize that part of that is limitations of having these made in Excel at the moment. (laughs) All of these will be declared simultaneously. I'm going to do a countdown. One, two, three. You will post in the Discord or say out loud 
I prefer in the Discord so we can keep track a little easier. What you're doing, and if it's an attack, who you're targeting. Or if you're moving, what zone are you moving to? I'm going to place the NPCs in zones, and my assumption right now is Wardum is for sure at the front of the ship since he just grabbed it. Yeah, yes. I mean, if we want to make it simple, I think all of us would be at the front of the ship because we were ready for battle. I would like to be on top of the cabin. I would like to be as far away as people with pointy metal as possible. I fear nothing. My future site says I won't be stabbed today, probably. I have to be close enough to actually, like, buff people. Yeah. And that takes a while, so... Alright, so, I've placed you in zones, to my understanding, with other people's uh, zones. We might not end up using all these zones, but it's where people can move around to. Okay, so what is the front of the ship currently adjacent to? Uh, the front of the ship is currently adjacent to the middle, uh, because you came at it okay. perpendicularly. Ah, we T-boned them. So they are very close by, except for the except for the sorcerer who is at the top of the cabin currently. Uh, both sorcerers have taken to the top of their cabins. Uh, the top of the cabin is adjacent to the uh, inside of the cabin, uh, and the back, but not to the middle. So you have to go around to, to climb up the stairs in the back, unless you have something that lets you just move and ignore that sort of issue. I think our nomad has some moves that let them just jump. Yes, nomad, nomads just cheat. Uh, I believe it's acrobatics. If everyone's placed in their zones... For our first turn, and then I'll type out their moves. Everyone got their action typed? Ready. Mm -hmm. Three, two, one. We start with Magnus. Yes. I'm tossing the envious eye at the uh, opponent sorcerer. What does this action do? The envious eye um, uh, has a two slash plus two, which means uh, I roll seven plus two dice, and I can use up to two sets. It does uh, one damage plus whatever flourishes I get. And I can use the second set to either deny my opponent the ability to use a set or the ability to use a flourish. The magician's defense is currently four. So you get your set. For my 10, I do one damage. Uh, and then with my other set, I uh, deny flourish. Okay, so he can't get any flourishes this turn. Yes. That brings us to his turn. So he is going to be targeting Aristu. So Aristu, you chose Invokiana? Inana? Yes, but I believe because it hasn't gone off yet, I'm not sure if I have the defense attached. You do have the defense attached, you don't have the buff yet. So my defense is currently 6 on both my magic and my physical. It will become 7 after this because of the defense buff, but currently 6. And he got 5s. 3 fives. So his attempt to sap away your strength with his curses has sadly failed. You're forgetting a rule, James. He got three fives. Oh, no, wait, he can't spend a flourish. I just... Yes, but I should him. explain the rule anyway. Yes, you should explain the rule anyway. Okay. If you have a flourish on a lower dice roll, you can spend one flourish to increase the dice by two. So, for example, if you roll three fives, you can spend one flourish to move it to seven. Neat. Good to know. Uh, this is especially nice if, for example, we found if you roll four threes and the guy has a defense of six, it's... It's a special kind of frustrating. But he can't spend flourishes because of your sorcerer. Mm -hmm. So you are unscathed, which brings us to the lovely Puabi, who is shooting him. All right. Where are you moving to? I'll say the middle of the ship, just getting right okay. into the action. Run and shoot. Roll me seven plus the number on the page, which is, I believe, plus one. Yep. I get a plus one on this. Uh, his defense is four. 
Okay, it looks like I got a pair of sevens. Oh, you did. Excellent. So, he takes one more damage. You have now found yourself in the midst of this crew of mercenaries. Yeah, you're in a rough spot. Have fun. They won't attack a golem. She's got backup coming. Rodham's gonna be there uh, now. My uh, uh, initial maneuver is similarly called running shot. Uh, I'm going to also be moving to the middle of their boat. Like, cinematically, this is just a shot of, of Wardham and Lilac firing simultaneously, running side by side, rushing together. Although my shot is going at uh, the enemy captain, uh, Magnus, rather than uh, Tizkar, the sorcerer. Okay. I got a pair of eights in, in that mess. So this also succeeds for uh, one damage, the thing it, it says. It does. Yes. I will note that the leader uh, this time is a defense of four, but his defense can get a bit higher. Well, then I better take him down quick. All right. <laughs> that brings us to the captain. Captain Mesa. The Captain Mesa, an arrow jutting from his arm, grabs the shoulder of the soldier next to him and points at Wardum and goes, that one. <laughs> get that one. <laughs> Boy, you thought. <laughs> Which brings us to Minion C, who sort of shuffles over to bring his own shield in front of uh, Tizkar. All right, and that brings us to ha- Hanazu. Hanazu um, enters a little bit of a trance and starts tracing the Zodiac. Okay. She does nothing with her turn, but is pre- preparing for what comes next. And then Aristu. Aristu has begun the dance that she's going to be doing throughout this whole thing and invokes the cunning and wisdom of Inanna to help us to deal with this situation. All this does mechanically is my defense has increased by one and will remain plus one until I have a rebalance. I believe that's any rebalance due to the wording? Yes. Yes, there's any rebalance. So basically I am in a stance and I'm going to remain in it for the rest of this run. Now the minions are going to take out, using their short bows, try to make a volley shot at Vardum. Uh, one of them does get the benefit of command, but the other one does not. Vardum, what is your defense? Uh, following this maneuver, my uh, uh, defense is five this round. We'll start with the minion who did not get any love from the captain. Ain't that always the way. And he got eight, so that is one damage. Ironic, in a fit of irony, the uh, captain's, uh, the one the captain grabbed, apparently the captain grabbed him at the wrong moment, and his shot flies wide, given he had a pair of threes. So we're going to go start of the turn uh, next round now. I believe Magnus is thrown at the back of the order, or? Magnus goes to the back of the order, Tizkar goes to the front, everyone else goes up one. All right, so take a moment to pick your next action. Just to make sure I'm reading this right. I have four options after Trace the Zodiac. I can pick Crayfish, Utu, Goatfish, or Tamas, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. Once you pick those, you can go to anywhere in their row and Yeah, then I the have the world as my oyster. Yeah. Fun fun fact, um, all of those manures are actual Babylonian Zodiacs, and they are in order. That's fun. I have a set of arrows to my to the left of my character space, one pointing up to the right, the other to, down to the left. Can you explain what that means? So, um, from shoot on the run, that doesn't affect shoot on the run, if I remember right? Uh, those go from rending jump to passing slash, and from rending jump to uh, acrobatics. Acrobatics, yeah. It's just because this is, uh, this is a layout for graphics people to actually make it look good. Uh, so it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, this will probably 
be a lot clearer when they're on like special yes. artisted word bubbles. Okay, so if I were to want to go to rending jump, I would need to go first to acrobatics and yes, yeah. or you could go to passing slash. Uh, the only question that I have is actually a question for Hanazu, which is, would you prefer to be more defensive, or would you prefer for me to weaken someone? I'm feeling really safe here, because I'm not doing anything to draw attention. Okay. A lot of my stuff is gonna buff all you, so buffing me doesn't help as much, because I'm not gonna attack or anything. Yeah, you are the only person still in my zone, is the reason I had to ask that. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, Tizarak? is trying to sap Wardom's strength. Rude. Uh, Wardom, since you don't have a default magic defense, it's four. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, he doesn't get any plus to this, so he's only rolling seven dice. I can't protect you against this one because Tizkar's faster than me, but I can protect you from minion A. Yes. So Tizkar did one damage, and your next attack will have a minus one. Okay. I believe that means he rolls one less dice? It does, yes. Okay, which brings us our Nomad. Alright, this is a passing slash. Okay, since I can't get to the top of the cabin, my movement should be to the back, I guess? The back, yeah. The back would leave you, and then you can move up the cabin. Okay, let's do that. I do not get a bonus to this, so it's just 76, but if I hit, that's 2 damage. His defense is 5 this turn. I don't need to worry about that. I got no sets. Oof. I think I just left my arrow out instead of getting my knife out. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> you still get to move. You still do move to the back. Okay. And that brings us to uh, Wardum. So uh, in the middle of this this conflagration of enemies, Wardum has been uh, uh, struck by a wound. He, he's been sapped magically, and he, he grabs the axe at his side and bears down on uh, the captain, Captain Mesa. All right, swing. Th- this is normally a plus two attack, but it's only plus one because of that sapping, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So there is, ooh, got a pair of nines, got three sixes. I definitely hit, but would I be better off using the flourish on that six for anything or just going with the nines? Uh, let me check. There, there's no flourish line on this maneuver. I don't think higher rolls help in combat beyond, you know, beating higher defenses. Yeah. Yeah, if your move doesn't, like, have a flourish noted and you're not, you know, pumping up your, your roll to hit, hit a target, then it doesn't matter. No, yeah, you just hit for three damage. So uh, I, I believe I hit. I don't think anything this captain's done has got his uh, defense above No, his nine. defense is only five. His defense is only five. Okay. He, he left his priest But this home. does force him to rebalance, so anything he was setting up isn't uh, set up anymore. Ha ha ha. Does that do that? Really? It, it's got the little R in parentheses. That's what that no, means. No, that means oh. that you rebalance. That's you rebalance. Okay. The one that does that would be shield bash, which has plus rebalance. Okay. If it says it in the text, it, it, it disables his setup. You have now reduced the captain, I will say, from 7 health to 3 health. That, I did do that. In these last I, few turns. Yes. Yeah, finishers are strong in this. He's now got a fairly grievous shoulder wound. Now we will move to our next person. The captain! Alright, the captain is uh, seeing the entranced... I forgot to declare a target. Sorry. That was meant to be uh, Eris 2. Yeah, that makes sense, because no one's attacking. Uh, you are also a priest, and he, he is uncomfortable with the number of magic people hiding in the back. 
Yeah, my physical defense is currently five, so... He rushes to the back and brings a minion B with him. Leading charge allows him to move one ally with him. And he got sevens. So there's two, take one damage. Right, so that puts me at nine currently. And his minion is moved with him. Minion C is taking the same action as before, guard ally. That brings us to our astrologer, Hanazu. My action is the crayfish. War Doom is getting plus one to their defenses until the end of this turn, and if no one attacks them, but someone is, they would get a minus one initiative next turn, so they would jump up two spots instead of one. Mm-hmm. But they're being attacked, so. That extra defense will be helpful. Okay, Aristu. Yes, who has now reached the point of forming the sign of peace with her arms. This is actually aimed at the the sorcerer, but I want a clarification on the name because it's written two different ways. Am I aiming at Tizkar or Tizark? Tizkar. Uh, I have forgotten how to spell. It is okay. So I have a plus two on this roll, and it does have a, uh, a negative effect on attack if it hits. What am I aiming for? His magic defense at the moment is four. This isn't that great of a roll for how many dice I got, but it still hits. Which is a pity, because it means I don't get the flourish effect. Oh well. You do do hmm? damage, and he does take the penalty to defense. Well, he takes the penalty to his attack. Attack, so Actually. If I had gotten a wider set, it would have made the penalty to attack even harsher. Yes. For the record, he takes minus one attack uh, until the end of his next round. That brings us to our minions and then our sorcerer. So, uh, minion B is attacking Hanazu. My defense is five. Uh, he got three nines. All right. Uh, This is not his only ability that has a flourish, though, so that's just one damage. All right. The other minion is attacking Wardum. Wardum, what is your defense? Uh, My defense is four plus my my buffs, so uh, five. five. Mm -hmm. Why do they roll good when I'm on a podcast? We have ten health. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Eight, so that's another one to Wardum. And our sorcerer. Yes, finally. (laughs) Um... Uh, Gindatu is doing, continuing his in, in VSI, which is now sickening the cattle against Tisak. Um, he's, you know, staring he's intently and mumbling evil spells, as you do. Okay. His magic defense is four. Yes. Uh, I get an eight. I could also use a set. If I had one, I do not have a set. Like a set, second set. So I do one damage, and he takes an, one additional damage next turn. Okay. Turn order reset. Everyone should be in their right zones. All right, my action set. Okay, I'm ready when you guys are. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. So, top of the round, we begin with our nomad, Huabe, or Lilac. Okay, I'm doing Lion Shoot against Tizar. Uh It says I get to use Outwood for this, so this is a plus nine. Mm-hmm. Or not plus nine, just nine dice. Okay. Uh, his defense is four. Oh, hot dang. Three tens. Hot damn, okay. So... Takes one damage, and then he also takes a negative two defense until rebalance. Yeah, that's until he rebalances, yep. Or until he's forced to. Until he's forced to, yeah. So he's at six health, and minus two defense, and minus one attack. Pretty rough. Next is Vardum. Vardum is going to see, like, their captain boarding his own ship, and that's... That's no good. So, like, with a cry of, of anguish at being, you know, avoided, he's going to pull his bow back out and just run away from the minions striking him to to uh, uh, fire another running shot back at uh, uh, Mesa. This is plus one, so it's eight dice. Give that a roll. 
I got a pair of... Oh, no, I got three sixes. Hey. Three sixes. Let's see. Okay, so he takes his one damage. Mm-hmm. And now we are back again together on the front of our own ship rather than the middle of his. Uh, for now, for now, uh, Gore moves him, actually. He is at two health, though. He's trying to hurt my, my squishy, chanty friends. Uh, he's know. goring you. Okay. Well, that's better. <laughs> and that is his turn. Uh, so as you approach him, he tries to charge up to you and apply his his sword like a bull with its horns into your center of mass. Um, what's your defense? Uh, five. Uh, uh, do, wait, do I still have that plus one from the last round active? From Yeah, does that last until my next turn, or was that just for last round? I believe it was just for last round. Yeah. Okay, then it is five. Uh, this is why messing around with initiative order can lead to some weird situations. I haven't messed with initiative at all yet. Although I'm about to. He had nine dice, he got three twos, which isn't enough. <laughs> he misses. <laughs> uh, and he is forced to rebalance. I'm just going to grab his sword and look at him and shake my head. Save that for, save that for a flourish. Save that for a flourish. Okay. Soldier Minion C, who sort of sheepishly moves in between Puabi and Tizkar after after the arrow has already gotten uh, gotten to its mark. Hanazu. All right. I call upon the lion to make a restu, uh, move forward in initiative. They are now ahead of Soldier Minion A. Um... No, I'm, I'm using it on Magnus. Sorry, I'm Magnus, sorry. Yeah, you, you mean Kindatu. Kindatu is moving up one initiative. That brings us to Eristu. Okay, so I'm not sure how this is even going to work, because I was expecting that to do more damage. That's okay. <laughs> than zero. So I, I am invoking the Justice of Utu. The problem is this is an ability that causes an amount of damage equal to whatever the target just dealt, and I don't remember the last time Mesa dealt damage. In this case, it, it, it's zero. Mesa has Mesa's yeah. dealt. Yeah, because it says damage target just dealt, so... Yeah, so it's okay. the, the damage of the last maneuver. Well, the last maneuver was zero because yeah. they missed. It would have been three. So the gamble, sadly, this time didn't pay off. Yeah, should I roll or should I just leave it as is because it's going to have no effect we'll leave on it as is. We'll, we'll leave it as is. Okay. Uh, that brings us to Soldier Minion B. Uh, I've, I've got a question. I have been injuring and injured by uh, Mesa several times. Yes. What, what are some insights into what drives them? Oh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm using my blood does not lie skill. I was wondering when you bring this up. Mesa is driven uh, by profit and by pride. Okay. He is a mercenary... He doesn't. The, he is here because he is paid to be here. Sorcerers have lots of money sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, Minion B is trying to shoot the other sorcerer. Your guy's a sorcerer. No, that that's two ones. That didn't do anything. And Minion A is shooting at Hazanu. Minion A isn't doing anything yet. I just got moved up the initiative order. Oh right, you just got moved up. Yeah, go ahead. I'm helping. <laughs> now that I've got my. Uh... Uh, evil magic into the other sorcerer. Um, I speak. I keep staring at them uh, and speak the invocation of strikes them with pucks. Okay. To you know, strike them with pucks. Thanks to the previous setup of the lying shot, their defense is two. Oh, I'm gonna hit. I should hope so. <laughs> uh, that does uh, two plus 
two damage and minus if attack, but I don't have any flourishes. I just have. So he takes two damage from that. Yeah. He'll take one damage from your previous turn. Yep. And now I'm finally, finally ready for my for my final setup. Uh, and then soldier minion A is going to try to shoot Hazanu. Now they can hurt me. <laughs> did I get hurt? You did. Okay. Uh, no, I'm at 8 HP now. And then it is, I believe, Tiskar? Yep. Tiskar is using leaden words to deny a flourish. So he has to roll for this to work, but he's trying to deny Aristu your next flourish. And also has minus one to attack, so... Yes, he does. So he is rolling only seven dice. What's your magical defense, Aristu? Uh, is it five plus that blessing of Inanna? It's with that, yes. So okay. it is five. Because uh, I'm sitting on Justice of Utu. Uh, Justice of Utu. Sorry, I think it's Sensor of Utu for some reason. Uh, that is no damage, but you w- don't get your next flourish. And that brings us to the top of the round. Uh, Wardum, you will be going first. All right, I've already got my action ready. I haven't rolled a single dice this whole fight. <laughs> <laughs> what is Tiskar 2 in terms of damage right now? He is at three. Okay. Uh, for the record, the minions are unhurt, and the leader is at, uh, sorry, the captain is at two. Don't say. Captain has, has, has been hurt a few times. I like that you've labeled our ship, our hero's ship. There's nothing heroic about us so far. <laughs> so far. Uh, hero does not, uh, our protagonists doesn't have the same ring to it. It's also a much longer word. Right, and I don't want to misspell something in public. Valid. Uh, this is a good time, now that uh, I can see that a certain someone is dying this turn, to discuss what <laughs> happens if uh, you kill a target before your action has come up. If a target moves out of your ability to hit, your action is wasted. However, if the target dies before your turn, you may change targets. Reasonable. Yeah. So, in this context, well, you all know where this is going. Uh, we're dumb. <laughs> My, my move, I'm, I'm rebalancing to Steady Shot. This is a, a plus two ranged attack that does two damage. Where have we heard two damage before? Gee, I, I don't know. And I got a... Oh, there's a pair of sixes in here. Yeah, that that gets them. Dun, dun, dun. See you later, Mesa. Are you, are you killing uh, Mesa, or are you going to try to do something like ransom him? I am killing Mesa because he hurt me, and I don't allow that. It's unacceptable. All right. That removes him from our initiative order. Uh, Minion C is going to go. Minion C, for the first time, is not guarding Tizkar, but is going to rush to Puabai and try to cut him. Puabai, what is your defense? Because my turn hasn't gone yet, I think it's just a four. No, no, no. You get your defense from your move automatically. Okay, it's a six. Six, okay. No, it's four. <laughs> what? Run and hide has a defense of four on the action, but after your turn you get plus two defense and oh, you yes. are hidden until yes. the next time you're hit. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Because she hasn't taken her turn yet, she hasn't gotten those effects. Her defense is only four. Correct. Yes. Thanks, Val. Thank you. It'll be fine. Thank you, Val. One damage, the minion got a pair of eights. You're supposed to hit the outside of the armor, not the inside. <laughs> Hanazu. All right, I am pra- appraising the scales of Utu. Next turn, the initiative advances, or at the end of this turn, the initiative advances twice. Interesting. Which means that I will be first next turn, and Soldier Minion C will be dropping to the back. Correct. 
It's interesting having a character that's entire gimmick is messing with time and signs. There's some interesting buffs in there. Yeah, I have done fuck all, but I still feel helpful. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even seen the abilities that are like, you can declare before others or stuff like that. Yeah, I know. The predictions are coming next. I needed to be ahead of people to, for my predictions to do stuff. So here's two. So I am performing the censure of Utu, and this one is actually aimed at Tizkar, as you might imagine, since it is a thing that affects magical attacks. I don't think it can actually cause sufficient damage to eliminate Tizkar in one hit. Okay, so it will not kill, but it will probably set up for the next one to kill. Yes. His defense is five. Well, I did get a, a set of five. I also got a set of four, but which I could turn into sixes, but that won't really help me. So... Okay. Uh, you do two damage, and he takes a... I believe it's to his magical defense or his magical attack. Its magical attack is at minus one until rebalance. Okay. And that brings us to Minion B. Uh, Minion B is going to run up and try to stab Wardum in the back. I mean, I, I would rather not. Uh, I am, I'm sad to say he, he does hit you. Wardum, no. Is this also for one? It's all for one. It's all for one. Which brings us to Kindatu. Kindatu has been, uh, you know, since uh, uh, been staring at the sorcerer, opening, you know, puck sauce uh, on the sorcerer. And finally goes for goes for the kill with the uh, the incantation rots their flesh, which I'm sure you can all imagine what does. This is a plus three and does five damage and rebalances the opponent. Jesus also forces me to rebalance. And forces him to rebalance and it sets his defense to three. Yes, both my I defenses are so much. Both my defenses are three right now. Uh, so what's his defense? Uh, five. Five, so I hit. Hey. You do melt him. Hey. Uh, I don't have a flourish, so I don't, so I don't get a plus one, but uh, yes, all of his flesh rots from his bones. Kidatra's a little annoyed. He had, looked, he had been looking forward to like a magic duel, and the sorcerer just hasn't looked at him. But oh well, now I won. Yeah, I got magic either <laughs> on my boots. Sorcerer was too busy attempting to cause problems for the person who has the blessings of the gods. <laughs> sorcerer saw the priest and decided, this, this is the problem, child. Turns out, no. And then he was melted. Does that take out Tizkar? It does. He had one health. Rest in pieces. Tizkar is having a bad day. Tizkar is no longer having a day. Rest in goop. Huabai, you get your plus two defense. Yep, and I move towards the middle as part of my move. That leaves just the minions. And I will eliminate the dead men from the zone. Clean out the corpses. Pretend this is Darkest Dungeon. Eliminating dead men from the zone was also Michael Jordan's greatest ability as a player. Ah. And then the scales of Utu take place, so that way Soldier Minion C is also at the bottom of the initiative, so I'm first this turn. Mm-hmm. Note to self, rename that move so that we don't have the scales of Utu in two different places. Yeah, I assume you're just staring intently at the ones that I'm holding. <laughs> okay. Then we go Hanazu and Arius 2. Good. So, Hanazu... <laughs> Alright, at the top of the round, I call upon the power of the scorpion. Aristu, if your action succeeds, all of my allies deal plus one damage on the next maneuver. Including me and your next maneuver next turn. Alright, Aristu. But not but not this turn. Just not next this turn. turn because I need to, to predict something first. Yes. Yeah, you, you need to succeed at this first. Aristu. I'm using sunbursts, and I believe if I roll an extra set on this, I can target anyone that I can see. Another person that you can see, yes. But my first target is the one standing right next to me. Oh, good. 
The thing about predictions is I only need one of your attacks to succeed if you have multiple targets. That's right. So yes, I'm rolling ten dice. Jesus, that's a lot. It's a finisher. Uh, each set lets you target a- another person. Yeah, unfortunately, I think I only have the one set to work with in this roll. Yeah, just the three eights. Because the twos are not going to hit anyone. Uh, but you do have the flourish now, so you do do four damage. Yes. The one right next to me takes four damage, and the other two catch the gaze of the sun off of the ornaments that I have in both hands and realize that they would have been next. A menacing aura. So that brings Minion down to one health. One health. Darn. So close. All right, everyone else, you have plus one damage on your next maneuver. All right, that brings us to Soldier Minion B, who's shooting the sorcerer who just melted someone to death. Indatu, what is your defense? My defense is four mundane, six magic. Well, they got a flourish. They're going to spend their flourish to give their fellow minions another plus one to hit you. Uh, Take one damage. And that brings us to Kendatu. Uh, I'm putting on my spirit calling mask. I'm calling the spirits to fuck minion B, I think I put it in. Minion A is what you have targeted, but yes. Minion A. Yes, one of them. That's a plus one. That's a plus one. And it gives me, it does damage and uh, gives me a bonus if I hit. Uh, two fives, does that hit? It hits. Okay. So he takes two damage. Oh yes, two damage because it got uh, boosted. The scorpion is empowering you. Good. The stars Storm. believe in you. And I get plus one magic attack. On the next round. And that brings us to A, continuing the tradition of trying to turn Kindatu into a pin cushion. Pincu- and that's a hit with another flourish. So the next, mi- the final minion will be rolling nine dice. That brings us to, I believe, Wardam? No, Puabai. Okay, sounds like I'm going to be doing rending jump. So you leap down and cut this man up. Oh, I hope I get a bunch of flourishes on this. Uh, oh, shit, I did. That is four eights. <laughs> uh, and what's the flourish effect? Uh, it's two plus flourish damage. Uh, you you killed him. That's that's five damage, thanks to your astrologer help. Well, it's a dead man. It's an ex person. You just cut him in half. I mean, the other flourish effect is that it moves target, so I guess half of him is just going to the other side of the ship. Wardum, your your turn. Lilac and I started this this combat in in synchronicity. Let's end it the same way. <laughs> it's time for an axe strike on minion B. Got not great roll. I got uh, three fours, so I can push that up to a pair of fives, correct? Uh, a pair of sixes. A pair of sixes. Uh, I will do that, yes. And uh, that's four damage. And yeah, no, um, you have also, yes, you did also bisect a man who had one health left. And seeing that the ship is now littered with uh, ex-people, uh, formerly living compatriots, the, the remaining minion would like to surrender now. <laughs> what treasure does your hold have? It is worth your life. Uh, briefly noting as we move out of combat, if, and I don't think we'll be doing another combat today, um, but your health does reset to full between combats. Oh, nice. The the minion goes. Uh, uh, there's a. Uh, can you give me a exhort roll? The skill you put away. Sure. I, unless you would like someone else to. Uh... Yeah, someone else can make this roll. Yeah, I think I'm going to back you up and and with a somewhat gentler hand, be like, I know you've been through quite a bit today. Perhaps you'd better just <laughs> answer the question. <laughs>
as I'm kicking dude parts over the side, uh, just to clear a path. I know we have some disagreements. Also, you can say what the difficulty is, but I don't think it matters. Because I yeah, rolled right. that's, two that's tens, tens and two nines. Yeah, two tens and two nines. So yeah, no, you're good. He calms down a bit uh, and says, um, well, I, I don't know what all of it is, but it's it's in the undertow and... There's there's a lot of gold and and incense. There there's a there's a mask and some maps. I'm not gonna die, right? That that's that's the deal. I mean, you don't gotta. I I, I walk over and clap him on the shoulder and say that is entirely within your power to decide. <laughs> <laughs> I I decide not to die. He says, looking around a little bit confused. There is wisdom in that. Good plan. There's some food, and there's some exorcism stuff downstairs, and some gold, and some clothes and stuff. I, I would suggest our, our sorcerer and our priest, who are, are knowledgeable about some of these things, uh, uh, take a look. There was a mention of a mask, and I want to take a closer look at yes, it. Yes, I also want to look at the mask. Okay. I would like to study the general contents of the rest of the... See how much of a haul we just got. In the meantime, would someone please get this man a drink? Preferably something with juniper. I'll take care of that myself and high-five my golem friend on the way. (laughs) To assess what you've got on your hands here, I'm going to need a deal roll. Or, actually, I'll allow a study. I'll allow a study. Okay, because I already rolled study. (laughs) Priest and sorcerer going down into the hold, you find, first, a number of... uh, talismans and votive statues there's small shrines down here dedicated both to deities that are not terribly surprising iana and uh any sorcerer uh, should have at least something to utu for when the demons get out of hand that sort of thing perhaps the more unusual one is a statue to martu the god of the wild places has been placed roughly at where the front of the ship would be. Um, hmm. A brief examination finds that a sacrifice was freshly made on this shrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, assessing your hull, uh, not hull, not hull, hull. Uh, wait, no hull. I was right. No, that's As- right. I'm assessing our cargo, our wait, new wait, cargo. Uh, assessing your hull, uh, you find a large amount of, as expected, food, but an equally large amount of of luxury goods. Silks, gems in particular, and heavy copper and bronze, and even gold. In mechanics terms, and we'll talk about this in a moment, you have found four common food, two luxury metals, uh, one luxury priestly goods, and effectively one treasure. Effectively an additional treasure. Yeah. Fancy. Fantastic. Uh, so after I've studied the the shrine to to Matu and the the weird sort of like other occult paraphernalia, I I turn to my uh, to the priest and goes, "Why don't we ask the sorcerer if if we can call him that? <laughs> uh, why they were, would have such a strange shrine here? Are we close to any asteroids? Uh, you passed through an asteroid forest to get here, so." I like to see as we like grab a barge and like <laughs> row to the nearest asteroid, um, so I can like dig a small hole. I'll br- I'll bring the corpse of the of the sorcerer so I can speak to him. 
I always hate this part. <laughs> Put him over my shoulder and like row a barge over to the nearest asteroid so I can like dig a little hole. So taking okay. the mostly rotted away corpse. Who is accompanying Kendatu to this this little act? I assume we should have some level of protection, and in case something comes up, probably someone who can deal with unfortunate spirits might be a good idea. Yeah. So I'm coming with at least. Okay. Okay. So I uh, toss the um, the corpse down on the asteroid and like start digging a little hole, and then like before I actually do a ritual, I like I turn to the priest and go, "You should probably." Put put that symbol of of Utu in under your clothes or something. You know, hide it away a little. Of course, U- Utu is not going to be to be happy with this. Yeah, it is it is gently tucked away within the robes in such a way that it is unlikely to be seen or heard. But if it moves, she will know. Okay, I was about to ask. And then I uh, then I uh, place a skull over the hole and command the uh, the spirit um, the spirit of the dead sorcerer to. Uh, uh, to speak to me. After some time, the hole begins to smoke and smolder, and the smoke out of this asteroid coalesces into the robed and masked form of the sorcerer who you just rotted away, who sort of glowers down at the pair of you. And why have I been called from the place of want? I have just arrived. Well, I say. Uh, tell us where your ship was going and why you had a shrine to Matu of all the gods. Our vessel was headed to Kerr, the distant mountains, to find and sorry to observe the heavens and wrestle with those things buried by the gods. And as he says this, um, yeah, those scales you can feel tilt. Mm-hmm. As the scales tip, there is a uh, a slight motion of the hand that occurs. Not one that would be easily noticed except by those who have actually dealt with this. Yeah. Kindatu knows. I look to the to the sorcerer and tell him, You will tell me the entire truth, and you will tell me nothing but the truth. Or oh, I swear to you. Uh, I will leave your spirit trapped here in this godforsaken asteroid, and you will never uh, feel the libations uh, of your family or of your kin or those granted to the dead by Utu uh, or, and never taste bread again. Uh, I am going to go with that as a curse. No bread. Uh, you, you are using your curse here? Yes, I'm cursing him. Um, in this case, threatening to curse him? Yeah, I think that would be a boast check. Uh, it's in, in the write-up for necromancy, it's cursed or exhort. Although I think it should be changed to boast, now you mention it. Exhort would probably make sense, yes. Yeah, we can do exhort too. Let's do exhort then. The reason it's curse or exhort is in case you are playing a sorcerer who is focused on, you know, laying curses upon people, it makes sense that you can berate dead ghosts. Uh, well, I still roll uh, two eights, so uh, I should probably convince him. With two eights, the sorcerer... The mask is concealing if he is afraid or just very annoyed, uh, but does concede and gestures into the distance. Because we are going into Martu's land, in the wild space, there is a conflux of rivers, a flooded temple from when Babylon held kingship. It was our intent to, now that the waters are receding, plunder its ruin and make it our new home. I, I nod, I ask him, is there anything else 
You can tell us that we would want to know. I don't know what you want. Where are those ruins? You will find my maps to the ruins in the hull of the ship, assuming you haven't burned it to the ground yet. As for things to be worried of, it is a ruin. A sorcerer and a priest should know to be of... To beware demons and worse lurking in ruins. Of course. If you thought you could take take them on, we will have no problems. Uh, the rest of you can probably still feel that Kidato is a little bit salty about not getting a proper sorcerer duel. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little annoyed. I turned back to to the priest. Uh, was that all? Do we need anything else from this? And I sort of rolled my eyes. I think this is a reasonable amount of help. But anyway. I'm all for plundering ruins for treasure. If you do happen to see Beer Tomb, please do tell him that I am very glad for the gift once again. Mm, the sorcerer sort of glares at you, and I will make sure to carry your message to the House of Want, priest. I nod and go, yes, yes, very well. Um, and then I just sort of wave the sorcerer away. Go, return to where you came from, and I pick up my skull. As you pick up the skull, the smoke siphons back into the asteroid, back down, down to Iralka, where the dead dwell in the House of Want. So, are you heading back to the temple? Are you going to go for the temple now? Head to Elam to sell your wares? Back on our ship, you know, mm-hmm. that is all communicated, and, and Wardum would uh, advise, like, we, we owe uh, Endwana... Uh, tw- what was 10%. it, 20%? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was 20. No, that's totally 10%. Lilac, I know I know that your memory is supposed to be as solid as your armor, but, um... And then she just gently pulls the, uh, the scales out from under the robe, and they are tilted so hard that you imagine <laughs> they are going to break if they were not made of sterner stuff. I assure you it was 20. And then I mean, they I was just going to say that a piece of treasure falls right out of an opening in Lilac's armor... <laughs> My point is, would she not prefer 20% of what we plunder from this temple as well? But she did only agree to the boat. I mean, we don't have to tell her about what we get from the temple. I suppose we'll figure that out on the way, shall we? <laughs> With that sort of unstated assent, yeah, Wardom uh, uh, is going to throw out those charts and, and you know and point Hanazu toward them and uh, usher Lilac back to, uh, back to the rudder and uh, take his place, uh, continuing to plumb space for, for adventure. And, and uh, uh. throughout this game, he turned out to be a, a much nicer guy than I imagined when, when I wrote up his character sheet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except I for mean, all the murder, cut I a guess. Man in half. A jolly murderer. You cut like two men in half. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of murder. I mean, you didn't kill everyone you could, but... And so, our crew of opportunists... That one guy's a captain now. Oh yeah, we have a recruit! <laughs> <laughs> ...have acquired a sixth member, perhaps a larger vessel, and the map to a lost temple from a bygone age. Who knows what they'll find there? Probably demons. I hope so. It's usually demons. I did look up Martu. And you should expect demons. My goodness. So as we wrap up, the only comment I want to make, and the only thing we didn't really touch on, is advancement. Mm-hmm. If this was a long-running game, each of your playbooks has a requirement for advancement. Let's see how we did. I will gain XP because I did solve a problem with violence and terror. 
Very good. Okay, uh, I think our Nomad would as well. I was being stealthy a lot in that fight in order to set up like the minus defense. Our Priest... It's kind of a narrow thing, because the way that I'm having Aris to act in regards to the gods is a little unusual. Right, I think at the moment, not quite for yours, but yeah. Uh, I definitely solved the problem with... Forbidden Knowledge. And Occult Might. I, I did both of those. And then our Astrologer... I just solved problems with Wisdom, Secret Knowledge, and Sage Advice. Um, I mean, I did give Wardoom Sage Advice at the start. You did. The problem I solved was more with sorcery when I destroyed some sails, which isn't really the astrologer thing. That's true. That's true. I mean, I did give sage advice at the start of the session, at the top of the day. You did. You you examined the stars and gained wisdom from them. And then as a crew, you would have to wait until you went back to town to gain uh, experience. Your crew book's experience is based on your uh, your treasure and your reputation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to... We didn't touch on it this session, but there is a system for taking these luxury goods and common goods and turning them into turning XP, them. turning them into treasure, mm -hmm. as well as a system for finding places to do that more effectively, uh, where you'll get better deals and such. Yeah, if you want to be the, uh, the traders on the high seas, uh, buying low and selling high, it's fighting demons on the way, as you do. Well, thank you uh, uh, both for, for joining us and for sharing this game. Again, uh, this is called uh, The Celestial Crescent, and it is going to be available in the ninth uh, uh, short game digest from uh, the Far Horizons Co-op. Thank you very much for having us. Myself, I do do a blog on UndeadAuthorSociety.com that does folklore research and horror stories, and you can find almost all the games I've worked on at... Uh, the Far, Far Horizons uh, page. For something that I found really interesting that I didn't have any hand in is a game called, and let me make sure I'm getting this right, Gubat Banwa. Gubat Banwa. It is a uh, Southeast Asian um, porcelain age Philippines tactics game. Uh, a war drama game inspired by Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre, as well as things like Devil May Cry. And so if you like tactical RPGs, lots of drama, and fascinating magical powers in a Philippine 16th century Philippine setting, I'd check it out. It's currently in its beta, but it's it's really cool. Most of my stuff you can find with Far Horizon Cop in the, the various short games digests. I'm in every one except eight and I think six. Uh, I also I also have a game I made myself. Uh, well, kickstarted. Uh, called Titan Hunt, which is based on fate. Uh, you can find that on my itch.io page. Soon, hopefully, um, I will, uh, with a little bit of delay, be publishing uh, Red Rock Revolt, the uh, the latest game I kickstarted, which is about um, fighting evil imperialists with uh, demonic guns. Always fun. Uh, as for something else I'd like to plug, uh, I'd like to plug uh, <laughs> the uh, the game called Word, Word Would Wand. Definitely easier to say. I think it's, it's Weirmwood. Uh, which is sort of D&D 4E meets Harry Potter meets Studio Ghibli and Cthulhu. Mm. <laughs> you you play uh, the the natural overlap. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the natural overlap. Uh, you play you play uh, students uh, at a at a at a magic school. Uh, 
in a in a pretty fun weird setting. Um, it's similar to this beta. Uh, you can it also has an itch.io page. Uh, I'm looking at a list of other titles that are going to be you know between the same covers of the same a uh, short games digest that a uh, Celestial Crescent will be in. We've got a non-verbal uh, RPG that is inspired by uh, uh, things like Rugrats and Baby Geniuses. <laughs> that is something that caught our eye, but nonverbal doesn't really work for the show we make here. Uh, we've got a, a journaling game, an OSR-like dungeon crawl game in the corporate world called ODT, uh, kaleidoscope heads about the decaying bodies of aliens that filled the atmosphere with chemicals that opened new worlds and dimensions, and uh, player characters are those that travel between realities using this method. Just some really interesting cool stuff that people can get all in the same book this summer very exciting and if you're interested that sort of variety is kind of everywhere in the digest um i don't think there's been a digest that hasn't been at least 50 percent really weird games uh really weird fun <laughs> stuff um which is always wonderful that's a lot of what we do. And there's apparently eight more of these too if you want more where that came from <laughs> right. exactly big old yeah. backlog I'm I'm remembering that we talked a bit about the the co-op, but I'm also remembering that was before we hit the record button. So I'd like to invite the two of you to talk a little bit more uh, about Far Horizons for the benefit of, of the listeners. Uh, so Far Horizons co-op was started in uh, we were all in the Discord and we realized that the games industry is um, not great in a lot of ways, uh, and we decided the best you know be the change you want to see in the world, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of on a whim, or not a whim, but, you know, spur of the moment began putting together the first issue. Well, Far Horizons as a co-op sort of follows two main goals of equal pay or fair pay and uh, royalty sharing. So with smaller projects like the Digest, we share all royalties and creators own all of the products they produce for the Digest. With larger projects, our biggest one being that's out at the moment, uh, role-playing guide to heists. Uh, we also make sure to pay, you know, I believe we, you know, pay more than or equal to at least 10 cents a word to make sure people make a better wage. And I think we're going to be moving that up later. Mm-hmm. We've made, as mentioned, uh, nine, we're on our ninth digest. We have the role-playing guide for heists. And we're also working with Brinkwood as well, which is, I always describe it as Robin Hood with fairy masks killing vampires um, in Victorian England. I believe the tagline is Drink the Rich. We've been working on getting other things out there and other games out there and trying to make, you know, gaming uh, a better industry. Uh, just recently uh, rebranded to Far Horizons. Earlier we were the San Gennaro Co-op, named after the Discord server we started on. Yeah, I think that's basically it. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Congratulations not only on this game, that uh, that... Uh, grid-based, you know, uh, uh, flow of of the combat maneuvers is really interesting, uh, as well as the way you, you've mixed more familiar game elements with your your uh, uh, setting and like there is a lot of actual archaeology in this fantastical uh, uh, science fantasy setting that is just 
I, I really appreciate uh, all, all the work that went into this. So not only congratulations on the game, but on uh, uh, everything else that uh, uh, Far Horizons is doing, as well as the new name, Far Horizons, as you uh, uh, move forward in this very uh, laudable goal of making better working conditions for uh, independent game designers. Thank you very much for having us here. It's been yeah. a great experience uh, being able to run this for new folks. And yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. It was only slightly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very good time. We try to be welcoming. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that's right. This is both of your first, uh, I believe, both of your uh, first uh, um, experience guesting on an uh, actual play show for, for promotional reasons. Yes, uh, correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did a great job. I had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear. We did too. Uh, does anybody else have anything to share before I hit the closing and we can all take a break? I still say it was 10%. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this comes out, all my books will have my new name on them, so that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Very nice, yeah. That's true. Go for it. I, this might be the first thing uh, we release while that's true. I'm recently transgender. All my books are now going to be reprinted with Valmini on the cover. Hooray! You can already download the PDFs with the correct name. So again, that uh, those are available on Itch and Drive Through, the same old places. Itch.io slash Gothica. There we go. That's mm -hmm. how URLs work. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as uh, print proofs are, are ready to be approved, which by the time you're hearing this episode might already be the case... You can uh, print on demand. Depends those on how updated. quick the turnaround on this episode is. It it depends on how quick the turnaround is on two independent processes. Yeah, hard to guess, but now or soon you'll be able to get uh, print on demand copies with the the new name. And I think there's a few errata changes in between now and then. Mostly, I just also updated people's Twitter links on the credits page. That that counts as errata. <laughs> 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 Again, thanks to everybody for, for coming out, guests and regular cast members alike. And thank you uh, uh, for listening and joining us on this episode. So uh, with that, good night, folks. Drink the rich. Drink the rich. Drink the rich.